Do please take your seats as Fred comes to read our Bible story and then Andrea will come and speak to us. I'd like to offer my prayers for the children who've been baptised. Now we're going to read from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pressed it. It works. Good morning. Such an honour to be here at this special occasion for you parents and your gorgeous kids. Thank you. I promise not to be to preach you a two-hour sermon. I must say before I get going, they didn't tell you the most important thing about Alpha. Do you remember at school that awful occasion when you really just didn't understand something and you very timidly put your hand up to ask a question and the whole flipping class laughed at you? Do you remember that? It was my horror at school. I was always asking inane questions because I didn't know very much about anything. Still don't, actually, but... And that awful feeling when the whole class erupted and laughed at you. And I promise you that will never, never happen in an alpha course. (laughs) I've done it quite a few times now. And every time I do it, I learn something new. And the one thing I love about it is that you can ask the daftest questions and nobody minds. Isn't that right, Bob? That's right. (laughs) Love it. So you can go in knowing absolutely nothing and not be anxious about asking your questions. The other thing they don't tell you, of course, is that you mention the word course, and you immediately think paper, pencil, and exams. I do, anyway. There's none of that. No examination. You don't have to write essays. It's brilliant. You just get to gas. I love that. This book, the Bible, is full of stories stories of histories of people and countries, stories in song, which Adam likes particularly, our musician, stories in biographies, stories about people, stories with hidden meanings. And I guess that most of the things that we remember in our lives, particularly our school days, we remember because somebody told us a story and it sort of lodged in here. I met somebody once 
that had met my husband um, when he was a teacher, donkeys years ago this was. I bumped into him in the street and he said, oh, I know who you are. You're Archie Baker's wife, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, he taught me all about electricity with smarties. I've now got a son who's an electrician sitting up the back there. I don't know whether he'd do it with smarties. Would you do it with smarties? No, he's shaking his head. <laughs> but this man clearly had learned about electricity through smarties. And if you tell a story, it lodges in your mind. Isn't that right, Louise? She's a teacher. Tell stories to your kids, I bet you do. And uh, so what can we learn from this story that's been read to us this morning? It's an interesting little verse in another part of scripture it's actually in the gospel of Matthew and it says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of so if we listen to what these two guys prayed we get a picture of what's going on in here is that right Makes you think a little bit about the things that come out of your mouth, or it did me immediately. So let's look at these two chaps. The first one was a Pharisee. That tells us straight away that he was a very religious man and a very learned man. This um, term Pharisee is like labelling somebody the vicar in the Church of England. And you know immediately, you say that, that he's got some learning behind him. And the Pharisees would have learnt the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, by heart. They were very educated men. And then when he opens his mouth to pray, uh, he says this, I thank you, God, that I'm not greedy dishonest or an adulterer like everyone else so you immediately pick up that this man was disciplined and moral and he goes on to boast that he fasted two days a week and gave away a tenth of everything that he earned so a charitable man as well and a man who cared enough about other people to fast for them. And so I think we might just sort of look at him and think, hmm, he was an all right bloke. When I was thinking about him, I thought that he would um, probably sort of line up for uh, the TV show The Apprentice. You know where they do that bit to camera at the beginning? And they tell you about all of the things that they've done and why Alan Sugar should appoint them. What difference they've made to their their, uh, companies. They've done this, that, and the other, and the other was pretty good. And they're full of, hmm, look at me, I'm the one that you should have. And I feel that this Pharisee, when he went to pray was actually like that before God. And I asked myself, was he praying? Or was he speaking out about himself, hoping that anybody in earshot might hear what an amazing chap he was? Ask yourself that question. What do you think? 
And if you go back to the scripture we read at the beginning, the mouth speaks of what's in his heart. And God sees his heart and listens to his words. The other character was a tax collector. Now, these were usually Jews working for the Romans who were ruling the country. So they really weren't very popular with other Jews. They were really... And also, on top of that, they had a reputation for rigging in extra money on top of the taxes that they were collecting, shoveling it into their own pockets. Greedy men. And they had the right to stop people in the street and it's like handing out a parking ticket <laughs> except worse and enforcing a tax there and then they could enforce, enforce a tax even on what people were carrying they would give them an instant tax and had to pay more and they were shoveling it into their own greedy pockets at the same time as doing their job for the Romans very unpopular men and another place in scripture tells us that Jesus was a friend of people like that. He loved them. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. How wonderful. And when he goes to pray, if you remember in the story when it was read to us, it says he didn't even dare stand before God and look up. He bowed his head in his awareness of his shabby dealings. He really knew what was in his heart. He really was such an amazing man to have the courage. It takes courage to be humble. Did you know that? Because you have to cast aside all the things that uh, other people see you as, and you have to say, I am sorry. I came across... Um, a lovely definition of humility. And it reads like this. Someone who's lowly in mind before God and not proud before men, esteeming others better than ourselves and not putting others down in order to exalt ourselves. And I've got two verses of scripture from... um, Isaiah, where God says, I live in a high and holy place, but I also live with people who are, who are humble and repentant, so that I can restore their confidence and hope. I myself created the whole universe. I am pleased with those who are humble and repentant, who fear me and obey me. So we have to ask ourselves when we read this passage, which of these are we? Are we going to God full of how good we are? Or are we going to God recognizing the rottenness that's in us and the need for him to put it right? That's the big question of the day. Which of these am I? And the big question for these parents today is how do I bring up a child in humbleness of spirit 
so that they will earn God's favor. Because the end of that story tells us that the person that earned God's favor and his forgiveness was the humble one. Even though he was the rogue who was raking it in, he was the humble one. He was the one that was willing to admit that he was the rogue. And he was the one that earned God's favor and forgiveness. Don't you find that a glorious relief? You don't have to fast. You don't have to give to charity. You don't have to, have to, have to, have to, do, 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 do to earn God's favor. You don't. You simply need to come with a heart that says, I'm rubbish, Lord. Sort me out and forgive me for my rubbishness. (laughs) I just made up a word, I think. So, parents, it's a very difficult task you've got ahead of you. Your first parents. Elsie made the first child? Yeah, first parents. You've got a difficult line ahead of you because if you over-criticise your child, they will get defensive. wasn't me, it was him. (laughs) If teachers, you know, and parents are like that, oh, it was brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, anybody, blame anybody else. It was him. He started it. She did it. She pulled my hair. <laughs> All of that nonsense. And your, parent, and, and your children get very defensive about it. If you overpraise them, they just grow up with a big swollen head, don't they? And uh, can do no long. So this whole discipline thing is a very, very fine line that you have to tread and find out for yourselves as you grow in your parenting. But of course, the best possible way... To bring up a child with this humble spirit that can go to God is to be like that yourself. Because the wonderful and the awful truth is that your children will grow up like you. (laughs) They really will. An example is the thing that will bring them. If you are humble and contrite before God, if you're a person who wants to seek God's love and forgiveness, to know that flowing through your life, through Jesus, if you're like that, your child will grow up in that atmosphere. I've got one of my listening to me at the back there, and I'm thinking, I hope I did it. <laughs> I hope I did it. And now I see the outcome of that when I see him with his children, my grandchildren. And he's trying to bring his children up in that same atmosphere of love and repentance with Jesus. Jesus is so wonderful. He died for my rubbishness and your rubbishness. He died for us. He took all of the blame for all of the nonsense in my life and in your life. God punished him when he was on the cross, so that I could have a relationship with God. And it's open and free for all of us. And it's wonderful news. And if you, you parents can bring your children up to know that, you're doing darn well. Could I pray for you parents before I sit down?
And that's the other thing, as I say that, I realise, of course, the other thing you have to do, and godparents, is pray. When you don't know what to do, pray. When you've run out of energy, pray. When they're awful, pray. When you're crying with tiredness, pray. Pray through the tears. And you know, godparents aren't just for nice presents on anniversaries. They're not there to pray. That's what you've committed to do today, to pray for these gorgeous kids as they grow up. Father, may we come with these children. Bless these parents today. Show them your way as the children grow up. Daily decisions may they bring to you. We speak out blessing and abundance and love and joy into their homes. May these children grow up to know you, Lord Jesus, the best friend in the whole world. Amen. Amen.